Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. The night of Passover, of course you know, Jesus sat down with the apostles. It happened to be the night of Passover in Jerusalem and all over Jerusalem, the Jews were celebrating the time when the death angel passed over their homes. The cries were heard. The blood of the lamb was on the lintels and the doorpost of their homes. And they knew that it was a matter of time before deliverance would come. And of course, Pharaoh's heart was broken as his son passed away. And he was broken. And for a time, he was softened and allowed the Israelites, to flee Egypt. So Jesus and his disciples were sitting at the supper table all over Jerusalem, their celebration of the Passover. I don't know that the disciples still yet really truly understand what was yet to come. But this was the beginning of deliverance. This was the beginning of mercy and grace, which you see right here, Matthew chapter 26, starting at verse 26. It simply says this, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, drink ye all of it. And this is where it had to become perplexing to the disciples. He said, for this is my, the blood of my new, excuse me, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So there he gives a glimpse. He said, this is the blood of my New Testament. See, he was about to establish a new will, a new way. The Old Testament was done and gone. The sacrifice of sheep and, sheeps and bulls and lambs was all done. And he was there to be our, be our sacrifice, the propitiation for our sins. And so he began to give a little bit of insight into what he was about to do very, very shortly after this meal. Of course, you know, within the next day he was taken prisoner and the trial began. When he said this is the blood of the New Testament, he was simply talking about, and when, when, when he said testament, talked about the blood, these are things that are powerful words. These oaths, these testaments are established by blood. And I believe the disciples probably thought that he was giving some sort of an oath or some sort of a, a, a symbolism of an oath or a promise that he was going to keep. Uh, but he was literally saying this is the new blood of the New Testament. He was establishing that his blood, the blood he was about to spill, was going to be the New Testament establishment of the remission of sins. No more blood of animals. No more atonement. The blood that he was going to provide for permanent remission, which he says, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And when he told them then that he's not going to drink henceforth of this new wine anymore until I'm gathered together with you in my Father's kingdom. And it was just a little bit of a snapshot, a little, a little snippet that he shot in there to give them just a little glimpse of what he was offering them. But it's basically what he was saying, because of this testament, because of this oath I'm making, that you're going to have eternal life. If we go to the book of John in chapter 6, 
several things have happened already. I'm going to start with you in verse 26, but several things have already happened in this particular passage. In John chapter 6, Jesus had been ministering. Uh, he had walked on water. Uh, he'd gathered all these people together. A lot of people were there. Some of the Jews, even, even Jewish leadership was there, and the disciples were there. And uh, this is where the, the loaves and the fishes were multiplied. And there's just wonderful, wonderful messages about that, why it was barley loaves versus any other kind of loaf, and the breaking of the bread that happened there, and the multiplication of the fish. And so he had just done this miracle. And so all these people had, had, had partaken of this and listened to him preach, but they saw the miracle. They saw the miracle of just a few loaves and a couple of fishes multiplied over and over again so that the baskets were overflowing. They saw this amazing miracle. And, and they saw the, the, the walk on water. As a matter of fact, they followed him. He got into a boat and crossed the sea. There were so many. And they actually followed him over. And it brings us to this scene in verse 26. It simply says this. He says, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, to you, ye seek me not because you saw the miracles. He's speaking out to this crowd now that's, that's thronging after him. They're wanting more from him. They're wanting more. But he says, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Simply, they had a, they had a meal. They were all around. There was no restaurants. There was no place. Nobody had any food. This, this five loaves and fishes simply just multiplied over and over again and feed it, fed all these folks. Well, they need more food. They want more sustenance. This guy's giving out freebies. And they followed him over for it, and he recognized it. He knew right away, it's, you're not doing it because of what I'm t- preaching and teaching to you. You're, you're after a free meal. In other words, what you're seeking from God, what you're seeking from the, from the Son of Man, is what you can get out of the deal, the tangibles. You're not seeking the greater spiritual things. And he goes on to give an even deeper level of that message. Verse 27 says, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life. First time he says it, One of many times he's going to say that in this passage, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. So he lays it out there. This is is early in the Gospels. This is John chapter 6. And so he lays it out there. Don't don't go after the things that that are satisfying you short-term, the flesh things. Don't, Don't just be worried about these tangibles, these creature comforts. He says, I'm prepared to give you everlasting life. There's a bread that I'm going to provide for you that goes deeper and far beyond just your routine entertainment. Verse 28 says, Then said said they unto them, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Now they begin, this is some of these these naysayers and these these greedy flesh guys start to speak out. And and you'll start to pick up on sort of the snarkiness and, and some of the sarcasm that's in here. They said unto them, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God, that ye believe on him who he hath sent. So he gives them the first instruction, you've got to believe. He's already laying the groundwork, he knows what they're going to say. They said therefore unto him, what sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What an outrageous statement. They just watched him walk on water. They just watched him multiply a few loaves into hundreds and feed thousands of people. How dare they stand there, show us a sign? How do we know? What are you going to do to show us this proof, they said. 
Then they went on to say in verse 31, our fathers did eat manna in the desert as it is written. Now listen how they twist this. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, they're referencing Moses. They're basically saying Moses was the father. He provided. See, they, the Jews had this big deal about Moses. I mean, he was the big guy, right? He was the main cat. He's the guy that took them out of Egypt. They honor Moses. It's Moses' law that they're following. Hero Israel, there is one Lord. And he's challenging this. And he goes on to say, Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father give it you, the true bread from heaven. First time he says that too. Hang on to that one. Verse 33, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven. He says it again. And giveth life unto the world. He's delivering this, this bread, this amazing message to these ignorant that are simply in this gig right now for a free meal. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Now they're starting to mock him. Now they're starting to get cheeky. Evermore give us this bread. And, he, and, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. So he begins to establish the principle that what he is going to provide will satiate all of your hunger, satiate all of your thirst. He's starting to attribute his qualities, who he is, to those factors. But of course, he's not talking about physical hunger and physical thirst. He's talking about what's really hungry in here, what they really need, and they don't even know it or don't understand it. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. See, he knows they're mocking him. He knows that they're just playing with him. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Now that terminology, cast out, I said it last week in a message that when you hear terms related to cast out, it's a type and shadow of the judgment that will come. There'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and henceforth. Verse 38, for I came down from heaven, he says it again, third time, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Now he gives them another comment related to the resurrection, the everlasting life, that last day. They know what that last day is, that day of judgment. And this is the will of him that has sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. Says it again. That's another repeat. And I will raise him up at the last day. Repeats it again. He's laying it out for them. It's about the spiritual things that matter. Stop being carnal. You're worried about your hunger. You're worried about your bellies. You're in this thing because you're going to get a free meal. And what I'm telling you, there's a greater meal that you can have. There's more to this thing that I'm bringing you that takes you beyond this life. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which come down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, Joseph whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? You see, they already knew who he was. They knew of the other works that he'd already begun to portray. They watched him multiply those loaves and fishes. They watched him walk in the water. 
Verse 43, Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. A third time he says it, but now he says, Watch yourselves, you be careful, because you don't even get to come to me unless the Father draws you. Many are called, but few are chosen. Now he's starting to lay it down. Now he's starting to get serious. They're messing with him. They're not getting it. You better be called. And when you are called, you better acknowledge that call. You better take ownership of that calling that God has put in your life. You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. This isn't to get a a belly full. This isn't to satiate your, your appetites for this life. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he of which is is of God. He hath seen the Father. He's talking about himself. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. And now he's put the two points together, and for a fourth time, he lays it out. This is about everlasting life. I am the bread of life, he says in verse 48. Again, he repeats it and equates himself to being that bread. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and they're dead. Now he's getting strong. Now he's really laying it down on them. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, he says it again. Again and again and again, he repeats. He's he's taunting them almost to challenge their beliefs, to challenge this thing that they held on to, this mosaic thing. They can't accept him of what he's saying, that I come from my father. He's taunting them almost. That a man may eat thereof and not die. Again, promising that everlasting life. 51, he says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And he says it Again, and the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. He's just laying it all out there for him. I'm giving you of myself. I'm giving you this flesh. This bread is the bread you should be worried about. Folks, this is a message for us for today. It's a warning for us today. Don't get so wrapped up. We've got to be careful, all of us, including me, Get so wrapped up in the toils and the things of this life. Get so worried about our four little square feet of ownership, what our title is and what our job is and what we get out of everything and what's going to come to us. He's telling them, if you get rid of that old thinking, you'll live forever. This life is just a vapor. We're, We're just here for a short time. What are we here for? What are we doing this for? To have a great place to come and socialize and work together and worship and sing songs, do all that. Yeah, that's all great. But at the end of the day, what is our our call? If, If Jesus was standing before us, I believe he would be saying it to us today. You got too much. Be careful so it doesn't consume you. This is the bread. I am the life. All of this stuff is a vapor. It's short term. I'll take care of all of that. I'll provide all of that for you. I give you that stuff. I can give it to you a hundred times over. But that's not what I want you to want. 
Verse 52, the Jews therefore strove among themselves. That means they got together and they started plotting. Saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now they're starting to kind of get really snarky. Then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, except, and this is where he really throws it at him. He's really going to challenge him. Get out of your carnal thinking. Hear the spiritual message that I'm giving you. And he puts it down so eloquently, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. Ye have no life in you. Imagine saying that to a group of Mosaic law-following Jews. Telling them to be vampires. Leeches. Of course, we know from the old law, we know from Levitical law that any kind of drinking the blood and all that kind of stuff is, is absolutely forbidden. And drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is meat again. He promises it again, raise him up the last day. Is that the fourth or fifth time he said that? He's continuing, continuing to promise this message. And I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh, he says it again, and drinketh my blood, he says it again, dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. Man, that's gross. It's just the way it's written. I just, I pictured... Just a cannibal, just, ah. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood. He that eateth me, even he shall live by me. So he's challenging them. He's, he's just getting right into their carnality and their staunch position, refusing to believe who he is, who he says he is. Verse 58, this is that bread, and he says it again, which came down from heaven. Folks, he said how many times? I think it's seven times total in that scripture. He says, I came down from heaven, the bread that came from heaven, the bread that came from heaven. Do you understand? He's the sustenance. He's your bread. He's everything that you need. Come down from heaven again and again and again. The enemy wants us to fear. The enemy wants us to worry about our substance and our problems and our money and our challenges and our belongings. It's, it's, it's the thing that's going to draw people at these last days. It's the things that people are going to cling to. That fear is going to strike us. It's, it's right there waiting to happen, if we allow it to happen, if we don't finally stand up and say, none of this other stuff matters, but what God has for us to do in the spiritual, forget all of this sustenance stuff, forget all of these personal belonging issues, be willing, I'm not saying go home and sell everything that you have, I'm not saying don't own a home and have these nice things, what I'm saying is, is we've got to be careful in these last days, we've got to be careful because the enemy's going to keep coming back after this stuff, he's going to keep on coming back and he's going to challenge you with the things that belong to you, and I'm not just talking about material things that you can handle, I'm talking about titles and roles and positions and your opinion, my opinion matters to me, it's important, well of course, but if we get so stuck in the things that belong to us, and we forget about the bread that came down from heaven. It's a trap. It will be a stumbling block. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He says it again. 
just continuously, have you ever seen a passage in the word like this from Jesus' own mouth where he just continuously raps at it and raps at it and gets after them and he says it again, your fathers which are dead. In other words, don't give me this stuff about what, what Moses gave them in the bread. He was the manna that came down is what he was saying. Don't throw that in my face. That was me doing that. They're not getting it. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. He says it again. And then verse 63, and here it is. Here's the payoff right here. Were you listening? Were you, folks, were you listening to what I was saying? He's going he's gonna to lay it out right here. He's talking to the people. I said multiple times I'm the bread of life. Multiple times I'll give everlasting life. Multiple times those folks, your, your, your fathers that ate man are dead. Multiple times he laid out each point over and over and over again. And he's saying to them, are you listening? Did you hear what I'm saying? Because here's the payoff. Verse 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth. You know what that means? The spirit that quickeneth? It's what's going to transform your body. When it comes time, when he comes back for his spirit, when he wants it all back, when he wants his church, when he wants the marriage supper of the lamb to commence, it's the spirit that quickeneth. It changes you. That's what that word quickeneth means. It's going to transform you from flesh to spirit. Your job's not going to matter. Your toys aren't going to matter. Your belongings aren't going to matter. Your opinion's not going to matter. Your attitude's not going to matter. It's the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. Doesn't matter how wealthy you are, how poor you are, what you have, what you think you are, how smart you are, what your IQ is. It does not matter. The things in this life are of flesh are worthless in light of what he's offering. And then he goes on to say, and this is beautiful, the words that I speak unto you They are spirit, and they are life. It's the bread that he was talking about. The word, the spirit. He was giving them a spiritual lesson. He was giving them a a message. Matters of the spiritual world, matters of the spiritual that are important. Get out of your flesh. Stop being carnal. Stop worrying about filling your bellies or where your next pack of Loaves and fish are coming from. Many of them didn't get it. You go on into that, if you go on into that passage, it goes on to say that actually for the most part, a whole bunch of them just walked away. They actually weren't willing. They were not willing to let go of a few crumbs of bread and a few pieces of fish and their little position in life, and where they stood on things, and their opinion that that was so important to them. They weren't willing to hear, and they walked away. And he turned and he faced and he talked to the disciples, and he looked at them and he said, well, are you going to walk away too, or are you getting this? Some of them did. You know, there were more disciples than 12. You know that, right? Some of them walked away right there. It's too much. They counted the cost. They weren't willing I don't want to believe this. And they walked away. And they walked away from everlasting life. First Corinthians chapter 11. 
we see the recount. Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and he's, he had a lot of trouble with the Corinthians. They were very carnal people. He struggled with some of them. Two letters worth, as a matter of fact, dealing with all of that. But see, Paul got this message, either he got it through the disciples and the apostles that he, he eventually traveled with and began to minister when God changed his name to Paul, but whether he got it directly from Christ through, through communion with Christ or God speaking to him or through the apostles, he got this message, he understood it. This is Paul now, this is a guy who was Saul, the, the hardcore Roman murdering Christians. He knew the law very well. Paul was educated. And even Paul said he received it. He says it in verse 23, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup and when he had supped, saying the cup, this cup is the New Testament. He's, he's, he's completely recounting the whole process. In my blood, this do ye also as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Now before we go to the, the communion service, and we'll, we'll get the elements out, if we need some lights on for that, we can, we can certainly turn them on for that. I mentioned to you last time we, we had communion at the Passover time uh, before Easter, that I believe it's more than just a notion. I believe it's more than just something that we say. We just repeat each year as a ceremonial thing. That it's important that we're prepared for this. I mentioned to you that this idea, and we'll talk about it in just a moment, this idea that if you're unworthy, to take it unworthy, don't take it unworthily, you take on the damnation, that does not mean that you don't take communion. It doesn't mean that you've been a bad person and you shouldn't take it because if you do, you're, you're damned and all that. That's not what that means. What it means is, is you need to reverence and understand the depth and the importance of why we take the communion. If there's anybody in this room that is even of the slightest inkling that I can't take this communion service tonight because I, I made a mistake or I'm not living right or I, I, I did something wrong, that's the enemy. Take that out of your mind because we're going to have an opportunity here in just a moment to examine ourselves and sincerely think about this message. When Jesus gave that message in, in Luke, excuse me, John chapter 6, and he continuously uttered the words of him being the bread of life. The bread of life, come down from heaven. The bread of life, come down from heaven. I'm the substance for you. I am what you need. Rely on me exclusively. That's what he was asking for. Get yourself in a mindset that just simply says, Jesus, no matter what it is, whatever it is that you want me to do, whatever you're calling me to do, I will do it. Regardless of anything else that I hold important in my life, I will put it first. That's what taking this worthily means that you really truly recognize the depth and the power and the meaning of the sacrifice that he gave when he sat at that table with his disciples, knowing that he was going to be betrayed by the very one that he sopped with. If you get that into your mind and you get that into your heart, you're taking it worthily. And you won't take on the damnation. 
If we do this ceremonially, if we just take this as just something we do once or twice or three times a year, it's a nice thing that we do. We remember, we pray, we have a worship service. Then we may have trouble. See what I'm saying? So last year, I, I thought it appropriate. It's a time of, uh, of redemption, and it's a time of renewal at the Easter time, and I thought it was appropriate that rather than just ceremonially, you'll speak of, you know, okay, if anybody's got an issue, go to them right now. We won't watch you. Right? In 37 years, I never saw that. I never saw someone get up in a communion service and walk over to their friend or their person and never happened. So what we did is we did a little bit of a mixer. You remember that? I said simply just mingle around, shake a hand, and somewhere in the course of that, if you bump into somebody that maybe you've had a little struggle with or you've had a, a friction with or something like that, just tell them you love them. Quietly amongst yourselves, nobody will know because we're all mingling around. Remember that? Well, some of you probably thought that was foolish and some of you came up to me afterwards and said that was pretty cool. Well, this year, I was praying about it and I thought, Lord, I want to certainly not be ceremonial about this process. And I love my church family. But I feel that this whole thing, this whole thing that he's given me in this message was about unity. About being, a, being unified together. It's not one of us that's perfectly righteous or perfect, certainly the least of which is me. But if we're unified together, if we can put aside our desire for the loaves and the fishes, you following me? If we can set aside our claim to this loaf or that fish or this issue or that problem or this one hurt me or that one did this. If we can set aside all of that, those things that affected our flesh, that hurt my sensibility, that bothered me, that did this to me, that does. If we can set all of that stuff aside and recognize that I'm no more perfect than you and you're no more perfect than I am and just love one another for a couple of seconds and unify, we'd be unstoppable. If we could get all on the same page completely unified, not for what Cordell's got going on, but what for God is delivering to this church. If we could really, truly do that and get a hold of this thing, break down the barriers, there's no telling what God can do with that. And so this year, I thought it'd be appropriate if we all stood, you can stand up. Hopefully you're as willing to participate as you were last year. But I'd like to spend a little bit of time, and you got to cross the room a little bit. We get these little clumps. You guys like your seats over there, and you guys like your seats over there. I totally get it. I'm, I'm a habit person too. But let's spend just a couple of minutes, a handshake where it's appropriate, and a hug where it's appropriate. Can we just, can we just love one another for a little while, set aside everything, and just approach a person? Just say, I love you. I appreciate you. Give him a smile. Give him a handshake. Give him a hug. We need to unify. We need to set aside our loaves and our fishes and start seeing the greater level, the spiritual things that God's called us to be here for because we're not here for roles and jobs 
and titles and all of those carnal things. We're here solely and exclusively for this one thing, for everlasting life. All right? So why don't we take just a couple of minutes. There's no time limit. I'll call in a few minutes. But just get a hold of folks. Cross the room. Mingle together. Shake a hand. Guys, throw some hugs together. Ladies, shake some hands. Come on. You can do it. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.